I mean, it's kind of cute, right? Hello, and welcome back to Kinda Cute. And if you are new here, welcome. Oh, I missed you, little sugar plums, last week. And speaking of sugar plums, Dunkin' Donuts came out with a new sugar plum drink, and I really need one of you guys to try it for me and tell me how it is. Like, I know I can Google reviews of it, but I really feel like I need to know from a listener of Kinda Cute. And I just don't think I can bring it myself to buy it. It's purple and brown. It looks truly odd, but I just need to know how it tastes. Even Dunkin' Donuts like won't come out and say what it tastes like. So please, someone do me a favor and let me know. Now you guys know I was very into the Chriselle Gleb drama because I'm a big Dancing with the Stars fan. And actually just this year, I kind of got back into it. I was kind of off my game for a couple years. But Chriselle from Selling Sunset, there was rumors that she was you know, sleeping with Gleb, her pro dancer partner, and Gleb broke up with his wife and the wife posted an Instagram saying that he had had multiple affairs, yada, yada. So a lot of people were drawing that connection. There was blinds about the fact that it seemed like um, Chris Shell and him were sleeping together at this kind of like off-site apartment. And again, the stars and the pros this year had to quarantine where they could only see each other so it's it's a recipe for disaster so I think everyone really believed that those two had a thing well it just came out today that Chriselle is hooking up with Keo now Keo I like to refer as the dancer who is repeatedly screwed over he year after year after year gets the shittiest partner they would give him the partner that I feel like they had predestined would be the first person to get kicked off. Like the super old people, the people who could barely move. It was actually, I really do think a form of racism because he was one of the only black people on the cast and he would get the shittiest partners. And this season was no different because he got paired with Anne Heche, who actually ended up being fairly good, but I don't think they thought that she would be. And she still got voted off, I think, after like the fourth week. So poor Keo. So I'm glad him and Chriselle are like having a thing. And I think I read that he's actually recently divorced. So I don't know. Pretty messy. I don't know if this is just to get everyone off Chriselle's ass because she's sick of people thinking that she broke up Gleb's marriage. Part of you who. Yeah, maybe she was with Gleb and Keo. Maybe she got with Keo to make Gleb jealous. Who knows? Um Kenzie's saying maybe Glove was an asshole, which, you know, probably tracks. I I also saw rumors that he had also hooked up with Erica Jane and, you know, kind of sussed that they both ended their marriages at the same time. I don't know. If you don't watch Dancing with the Stars, you're probably like, I don't really care. But I'm telling you, it's juicy beyond the dancing. Maybe give it a try. Caroline Calloway posted this week. You know we are big Caroline Calloway talkers on this. I know a lot of you found me through my Caroline Calloway deep dive, which wasn't even as big of a deep dive as I probably could have done, and I probably should have gone in way deeper. But she posted on her Instagram this week, and it was a her tits out. She was wearing like a sheer thing over it. Apparently, if you have your tits out with like a sheer layer over it, that's fine for nipple guidelines on Instagram who knew I wouldn't do it just because I don't have the balls and my parents would never speak to me again but good on her 
And speaking of nipples, she was on OnlyFans that we've talked about on here before. It's the site where it's kind of like a Patreon and it's used by a lot of sex workers because they don't have rules regarding nudity, etc., etc. She was one of the top earners on the site this summer and she revealed that she earned over $100,000 on OnlyFans just through this one summer of work. And with that $100,000, she was able to pay back the debt she owned to Flatiron Books. Now, Flatiron Books was the company that agreed to publish her first book, and they gave her an advance of $100,000. She ended up not writing the book, hence why she owed them that much. And it was this big drama. She was contractually still bound to them. She couldn't write certain things in her new book, Scammer, because that. So allegedly, she says Scammer is now going to be the book she's wanted it to be. Scammer was supposed to come out in like September. I bought a copy. Don't worry, guys. I'm not asking for a refund. I still definitely want to read it. But it's a little late. Let's put it that way. I don't think there's any chance we're getting it in 2020. And uh, she's free now, though. So she's very happy. And she says she actually quit OnlyFans because she believes that it should be reserved for the sex workers and not for, you know, pseudo celebs like herself. She didn't say pseudo celeb, but that's what I'm going to say. I think especially after all the Bella Thorne drama that we talked about on here, it kind of illuminated her ideas of how she felt about that. So she stepped away from OnlyFans, but I got into a discussion with one of my good friends who I know listens to this. I won't say her name just in case she doesn't want to be implicated in an OnlyFans discussion, but she is very anti-influencer. She doesn't think influencers should exist. She doesn't see the purpose of them. I am very pro-influencer. I would love to become an influencer myself, escape from the doldrums of the law. You guys know this. If there's any, you know, podcast network listeners out there who want to just take me on and give me a venue and maybe a paycheck, I would be eternally grateful. And I am not turning to OnlyFans. Again, I wish I had the assets and the ability to not be never spoken to again by my family. And then I would consider it. Uh, Sorry, getting very sidetracked. But my friend is against influencers. And I was telling her that I would legitimately like to uh, represent OnlyFans and protect them legally. If if I could think of like my ideal legal job, I want to get out of the law, but I've talked about on here so many times before about how there's these young stars on TikTok, et cetera, and they get taken advantage of in the entertainment world. They sign contracts that they don't know what they're signing and, or, you know, I'm not saying that they don't know what they're signing. Obviously they can read it and they know what they're signing, but I think sometimes they just don't realize the repercussions of what they're getting into. So I think I would like to put that into the universe if my whole podcast influencer lifestyle doesn't work out currently i have a whopping 175 subscribers on youtube if you want to go be the 176 hint hint you can find me at bailey evan and remember to follow me on instagram at bailey evan or at kind of cute podcast and hit me up in the dms like i said i took a week off last week and i really missed you guys and i just want to hear from you more So reach out, leave a five-star review on Apple iTunes or wherever you listen. You can go to rate this podcast. Oh, I'm blanking out if that's actually what it's called. I think it's reviewthispodcast.com slash kind of cute, but don't despair. It's in the show notes for your ease. You know, I put everything in the show notes. All right. We finished the undoing this week and 
what a doozy. I binged it. I wasn't watching it as it came out. And I'm kind of glad because it's one of those ones where it always ends on a cliffhanger. You want to know what happens next. It feels like it should just be kind of like a six hour long movie instead of a TV show series. And it was a limited series on HBO. I'm sure everyone's heard about it now. Like the Kardashians were all posting about it. It was starring Nicole Kidman and Hugh Grant. Now, I have a few thoughts that have nothing to do with the plot. First off, I think this really highlights sexism in Hollywood because there are so many damn close-ups on Nicole Kidman's smooth-ass face, literally smoother than my 31-year-old face by a mile, five miles, just so plump, so many close-ups in her really blue eyes. And then you have Hugh Grant, who still looks like a snack, but damn, does he have some craters of wrinkles in his face. So he still gets to be like this sex icon with his crater face. And Nicole Kidman has been Botox to the fucking gods. And I'm sorry, getting off the undoing really quick. It came out this week that JLo said that she has never used Botox. And I said on here before, I don't buy it that she uses whatever skin line she's coming out with. I saw her extensive product list. I want to believe her that she's never done Botox and maybe she truly is that blessed but I'm telling you I got Botox like two months ago and these wrinkles are already coming back with a vengeance so I just don't buy it and I'm putting that on the record back to the undoing the other thing that struck me about this is the stupid opening intro can someone please explain me what the symbolism of that stupid opening intro was it's like two little girls playing with bubbles like is it is it innocence is it um okay Kenzie thinks it's grace as a child because the girl does have like red hair reddish hair but on top of that Nicole Kidman is singing the theme song which maybe supports that theory that it is grace but it has no relevance to the show it was kind of creepy I didn't enjoy watching it And I'm totally fine never having to see it again. But if someone can explain to me the deeper symbolism going on there, again, slide into those DMs, baby. There's been some big news in the LGBTQ plus community this week. Ellen Page has come out as transgender. He is now Elliot Page. And Bronwyn on Real Housewives came out as a lesbian. And I believe I also read that her son is wanting to experiment with makeup. So I don't know if he is actually transgender as well, but she's very open with him about doing that. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. I just, I read that somewhere and this is my problem. I consume so much shitty pop culture that I love. Obviously, this is a shitty pop culture podcast that sometimes the headlines get a little melded, welded, bamboozled in my mind. Speaking of bamboozlement, let's talk about Erica Jane embezzling money. Oh, wowzer. So I thought maybe she was just sick of having an old, crusty shangadong in her face. It turns out there might be something more going on here. And people are surmising that it was actually a sham divorce between Erica Jane and famous lawyer Tom Girardi to protect themselves against a lawsuit that accuses them of embezzling funds funds that were meant for families of the victims of the fatal 2018 Lion Air plane crash. So a lawsuit was recently filed and it says that it was the divorce is a sham attempt to fraudulently protect Tom and Erica's money from those that seek to collect on debts owed by Tom and his law firm. Now this is so wild to me because 
funds for clients are kept in a completely different client account. And you can't meld those, mess those with your attorney funds. And you can get disbarred just for that, just for like mixing the funds together. And this is saying that they took this settlement money and are just using it to fund their life and not playing it out to the victims of this crash and their families. So the lawsuit goes on to say that they are locked in a downward spiral of mounting debts and dwindling funds, and the two owe tens of millions of dollars to clients, lenders, co-counsel, settlement administrators, and experts, to name only a few. And Girardi's firm aided in the lawsuit against Boeing following the 2018 Indonesian plane crash where a Boeing 737 crashed into the sea. It killed 189 people. And Girardi, like I've always said, he's this is a quote from the lawsuit. He's widely regarded by his peers as one of the nation's top trial lawyers. Like he's a big deal in the trial world. And it says that Girardi, with the help of his clients, held on to a significant portion of that money and potentially all of it, sharing with his friends and family and evading attempts from the crash victims to contain to obtain their share. This was from a USA Today article that I got this information. So that just adds a whole other dimension. Like at first, again, I'm thinking she doesn't have a prenup. She's just trying to live her young, sexy life. She's hanging out with Gleb. She's hanging out with, I I read, this is another bizarre headline that I heard that she was also maybe having an affair with Scooter Braun, which that blows my mind. And we'll get to Scooter again in a second. But speaking of just like crazy pop culture, juicy scoop, Haley Bieber posted on her Instagram saying that she figured out who Dumois is. You guys know I've said it 5,100 million times at this point. I'm obsessed with the Dumois Instagram account. And I don't want Haley posting this to stop Dumois from saying what she says because I feel like she might be scared to get out there in the open if if celebs are going to reveal who she is. And... It's interesting because Dumois has actually done a fair amount of podcasts, so her voice is out there. I know of other influencers like Emily Gellis, who I talked about a lot uh, back in the 50, episode 56, I believe. She knows who Dumois is, I think, in real life. So I just, again, I hope this doesn't shut down Dumois. Haley didn't seem antagonistic about it. She said that she felt like she had figured out who Gossip Girl was, which I've read in the past that Dumois doesn't necessarily like being compared to Gossip Girl. I think of her more as like a conduit for people to share their stories and not like she's trying to be malicious or share gossip that's going to like bring people down, which is definitely what Dan Humphreys was trying to do. Let's be real. Now, moving on back to our boy Scooter Braun. So it just, we just heard the very first snippet of Taylor re-recording some of her masters. So Ryan Reynolds came to her and asked her if he could use part of her song, Love Story, for his Match.com commercial that he directed. Now, it is a brilliant commercial. If you haven't seen it yet, it is Satan and the year 2020. They match on Match.com, which actually now seems like they must have like a Tinder-like app now because it, it, I don't know. That might be what it's an ad for, actually. It's like they're moving to this more kind of trendy like app world. 
So Satan in the year 2020 match, they go on all these dates together, fucking shit up, causing havoc. Love Story plays in the background, the re-recorded version that Scooter Braun does not have rights to. Hi. Two zero, two zero. Please, call me 2020. So where are you from? Hell. Me too. Call me or save me. I've been feeling so alone. I keep waiting for you. And there is a scene where there is a scooter that's fallen down in front of a dumpster and has the number six spray painted on it. And there's six albums that Scooter bought of Taylor's masters. So that was a very pointed dig at him. She really has been open with her digs on Scooter Braun recently. And I I love it. He deserves it. And uh, I was also watching her long pond sessions we didn't finish it all but we watched a fair amount of it it's on disney plus and it's kind of like the reputation tour that was on netflix where it's like the songs that are played but then she kind of explains a little bit about them um but this one's obviously way more scaled back because it's just her and jack antonoff and aaron desner and they're like in a cabin in upstate new york or what's woodstock uh okay okay um but isn't Woodstock in Woodstock's in upstate New York? <coughs> okay, it is Long Pond, but I think it's near Woodstock. Doesn't matter. They're in this secluded cabin, very cottage core. They're playing the songs. Taylor's talking about what the songs mean. And she reveals what everyone knew, what I definitely stated on this podcast that Joe Alwyn is William Bowery who has two songwriting credits. He did Exile and Betty on Folklore. And she's like, yeah, I just heard like Joe singing Betty in the other room. It was just like this fully formed chorus. And I just like knew that had to become a song. And I'm just like, really, bitch? Like he's just singing Betty. And I like, I feel like she's giving him a little more credit than he maybe deserves here. But sure, Jane, whatever you say. But all in all, it's very good. I, she She's such an artist and such a writer and poet honestly and it's it's highlighted when she's talking about her process for writing and I've you know the track at the end of what album was it Kenzie where she does she goes and walks through her songwriting process is it 1989 yeah, I think so. and uh she sometimes writes to song and then she sometimes I, I like she'll have a sound of music the actual music part of it and she'll write to that and sometimes she writes first and then the melody comes in later so that's just so wild to me that people can think on that level and write like that I can't even write like a stupid little poem to like put in a e invite for a party the fact that she can pump out this many songs I mean just incredible like I'm waiting for the day that someone can inject some creativity in me some humor, just something that I can, again, really pop off on this influencer lifestyle that I'm going for. And no one highlights my jealousy of that fact more than the person we are about to talk to. And this is our first and only cut article today because the well was dry. There was just nothing I felt like talking about today from the cut. So this article is called The Cocky Prince of Quarantine Comedy, Jordan Firstman Instagram's premier impression. It talks sex, drugs, and getting famous in social isolation by Katie Heaney. 
Now, for those of you guys who haven't heard of Jordan Firstman yet, he really came to fame over these impressions he would do. He would do them by what we would call season. So it'd be like a slideshow of impressions that he put on his Instagram. And that would be like one season would be like one post of 10 impressions. And the one that really popped off and got a lot of attention was one he did where he was doing an impersonation of Banana Bread's publicist. Because I think that was something everyone could relate to in quarantine. And he's very good at them. They are very funny. And this interview just delves into him as a person. And at the beginning of this year, he broke up with his longtime boyfriend and creative partner. And he worked on a show for four years that ended up getting canceled before it even went to be made, which kind of seems like the deal with entertainment in Hollywood. So as much as I'm like, yeah, yeah, like sign me up. I'm also like, oh, my God, I could never. I mean, can you imagine four years of work and down the drain but clearly it was a blessing in disguise because now he has over like 800,000 followers on Instagram he's popping off everyone is in love with him and I heard him on Juicy Scoop podcast and he he came across as like kind of a dick but I think he that's almost part of his brand at this point so this article says that five days after his show was killed there was a song that he wrote to honor Laura Dern, and it was performed by the Gay Men's Chorus of Los Angeles at the Independent Spirit Award, and people went nuts for it, even Laura Dern. And honestly, that whole sentence kind of like sums up the chaos of this year. So, and then in February, he says he went to Mexico City and did more drugs than I've ever done, and he fucked some really, really hot guys. Get it, homie. And... Then he came back to California. The stay-at-home order came into place. And that's when he turned to his Instagram and the impressions were born that changed his life. And this is, I just liked some of his quotes in this. This is why I wanted to talk about this article. He says, the breakup changed my face and made me really hot. <laughs> and then Katie writes, it's true that though he's deleted most photos from before 2020, what's left of 2019 shows a more self-conscious selfie taker and less photogenic settings. 2020 Jordan is hot and does hot girl shit. I'm cocky and that's what repels people, but I'm also warm and real. I feel like I'm always bringing people forward and backward at the same time. Hmm, deep. So a lot of celebs love him. Harry Styles even followed him, I think, at one point. Maybe he still does. Jennifer Aniston, Chrissy Teigen. And he talks about how he was actually dropped for the second time by a therapist because he would cancel on his therapist too frequently. And he says, I needed him so bad, but I figured it out. I had the mushroom trip. I got a lot out of that. And his trip, I'm really sad I missed this, but apparently he documented this trip on Instagram, but then Instagram took it down. And I swear this year is just the year of taunting me about doing mushrooms. I'm not going to go into it again. You guys know very much how I feel about the shrooms, but I feel taunted. And the article also mentions his Architectural Digest home tour that was featured in their magazine. So you know I love an AD home tour. And holy shit, guys. This is just his rental and he puts so much effort into it and he says he only spent $25,000, which I get is a shit ton of money, but you guys don't understand that I spent $25,000 on like the boring ass shit in my house that no one even sees, like replacing my hundred year old electrical wires. No one gives a shit about this. Well, Jordan Firstman has this like deck, I don't even know what to call it, Pop Deco Palace. He describes it as a... Uh, inspo coming from Miami neon jungle, which honestly 
is probably the aesthetic I aspire to. I think that would go really well with my West Palm lifestyle. He has this fur built-in bed. It looks like a white Gritty the mascot. If you don't know what Gritty looks like, please look him up. It looks like if Gritty just like got really overweight and exploded over a bed and was also white. I know that sounds bizarre, but I'm telling you, if you look up the bed and you look up Gritty, you will know what I'm saying. But I'm so into it. He has a cloud. What? I'm looking it up. Well, yeah, because it's white. Kenzie says it look. Yeah, no, sh- it looks cleaner than no, no, gritty because like, gritty is orange. <laughs> gritty looks okay, she says gritty looks matted. I love gritty. I love gritty too. No hate towards gritty, but he looks matted. Okay. Anyways, he also has a cloud mural. I threw a cloud for party. Clouds are very much my aesthetic. If you ever want to get me a gift and that's cloud themed, I wouldn't turn it down. And guys, that is sadly our only cut article from today. I'd like to say that after my week off, I really came out of the gates a swing in, really brought some quality content to you guys, but I, I don't think I can say that. So let's just move on to our legit shit for the day. Now, I'm thinking leading up to Christmas, it could be kind of fun to share some items that I don't own yet, but that are on my wish list. And again, as much as I would like you to send me cloud things, I... <laughs> And not actually asking for these socks because I already asked my parents for these socks and my parents still buy me presents even though I'm turning 32 this year. Yes, again, I realize I am spoiled. And fittingly, these are called the Brother Veli's Cloud Socks and they are from a brand that makes the most gorgeous shoes. Elena and I saw these boots like years ago. She saw them first. She like took me to the store just to see them. I hadn't even heard of Brother Veli's at that point. The coolest fucking boots you've ever seen. They're like $1,000, but one of these days I'm going to own some Brother Belly's boots. And it's a black-owned business, and these socks, though, you can get for $35, which, again, expensive for a sock, but the only thing that I can afford on that site. So check them out. They look so comfy. Everyone raised about how soft they are. I asked for them in oat and sky, but there's like 15 colors to choose from. They're literally all gorgeous. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and I will see you next week. Bye!